welcome to the How to Learn Anything course from Plato University, where you're going to learn the science-based tools of pro learners to accelerate your learning, remember more, and master any hard skills. These are the secret techniques they didn't tell you in school. If you're passionate about changing your life with learning, join us at Plato.University to get exclusive content with every lesson. I'm your learning guide, Brandon Stover, and let's get started. All right, welcome to technique 11, which is mnemonics, or really awesome memory tricks. Now, mnemonics create robust multi-sensory neural associations between foreign concepts and their meanings so you can remember things more easily. And memories made with these memory tricks are not only easier to make, but they're much stickier, meaning they stay in long-term memory and can be more easily drawn from later into your conscious working memory when you need them. Now, you've actually already encountered an example of a mnemonic in the very first video of this course, using the memory palace or the method of Loki. We'll cover this technique a little more in depth when we go over the tools of mnemonics. But first, let's talk about the science of why mnemonics work so well. Now, often in mnemonics, you're associating a word or a concept with a visual image that you create in your mind. And as we learned about when talking about dual coding, our brains are gifted with visual memory. Perhaps un up until this point, you've believed that you're an auditory learner, and this is quite understandable. After all, through years of rote memorization and listening to teachers lecture at us, most of us have a natural aptitude towards visual memory beaten out of us by the time we reach high school. And perhaps you even wish that you had a photographic memory of the things that you're learning. Well, you're in good luck because you actually do. You just haven't been using it very effectively. But once you do, you will see that creating mental pictures is not only much more memorable, it's much more faster. In fact, research has found that our brains are able to recognize an image in as little as 13 milliseconds. So using our visual memory is faster, more reliable, and more efficient. And for this reason, a growing body of research has proven that visual memory is vastly superior to rote memorization. Furthermore, almost half of the human cortex is involved in visual processing, while less than 10% is auditory. In one University of Iowa study, a group of people was shown a series of 2,560 images. A few days later, some of these pictures were shown again, but mixed with many images that hadn't been shown before. On average, people identified 90% of the original 2,560 images they'd seen beforehand. This shows just how powerful our visual memory is. See, these mnemonic links work well because they take a set of links that you've already developed in your mind about a previous concept and use them to allow you to begin more rapidly building a new set of links for this new concept that you're learning. This approach relates to a concept in neuroscience known as the neural reuse theory, where sets of links developed for one concept can be reused to enable you to understand another concept. Now, obviously, this is pretty compelling science, but why should you use mnemonics when you're learning something? Well, these are time-tested techniques that have been used by some of the greatest memory champions across several different competitions including one memory game competitor, Joshua Foyer, who wrote the best-selling book Moonwalking with Einstein, or the Guinness World Record holder, Rajveer Mina, who memorized all the decimal points of pi to 70,000 decimal places. As you can see, these feats are quite impressive, and even better, they can be learned by anyone patient enough to apply them. However, I want to warn you of two disadvantages to using mnemonics. The first is the most impressive mnemonic systems, like the one for memorizing thousands of digits of the mathematical constant pi, also require a considerable upfront investment. And after you're done, you can memorize digits easily, 
But this isn't always an actual useful task because most of our society adapts around the fact that people don't generally memorize digits or huge quantities of information because we have papers and computers to do most of that for us. The second disadvantage is that recalling from mnemonics is often not as automatic as directly remembering something. Remember, in mnemonics, we're creating some image or concept to link to, and instead of remembering that concept for itself and how it's applied, we're putting an intermediary step where we're trying to remember something else to cue that concept forward. So although these are incredibly powerful tools, they can be somewhat brittle depending on your application. Now at Plato University, we often give you different examples to help you solidify a concept that you're learning, but practicing mnemonics is usually something that you're going to do on your own. It may be used for especially tricky subjects that you're trying to remember. So let's discuss some different ways that you can start applying it yourself. Now, although we mentioned that creating vivid images and using your visual memory is much better with mnemonics, there are a few verbal tricks that we'll cover. The first is creating acronyms, such as the acronym RICE which stands for rest, ice, compression, and elevation. So when you sprain your ankle, it may be easier to remember the acronym RICE and do those following things rather than trying to remember the steps of rest, ice, compression, and elevation. And you can use this trick with virtually any list of items you need to remember. You just simply take the first letter of each word that you need to memorize and play around with the order to see if you can create a word. For example, if you're trying to remember some major Greek philosophers like Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, you could form the acronym SPA to remember that. The second verbal memory trick is when a set of information doesn't create a nice little acronym like SPA in the last example, you can create sentences that correspond to the words in your list. So for example, the sentence, my very elderly mother just served us noodles, could represent the planets in order, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. And unfortunately, Pluto is not a planet anymore. That poor guy. Now let's discuss the visual mnemonics, which revolve around creating markers or vivid images. The easiest visual memory trick is to create an image that represents the concept you're trying to remember. And the more crazy, fun, and vivid your image is, the more likely it is to stick in memory. It may be also a good idea to build in some movement into your image, as if the image make up a short little movie clip in your mind. Say you want to remember the moon landing happening in 1969. You could visualize the moon looking like a yin-yang symbol, which help, would help you remember the 69 part of 1969, and visualize a little man walking across it. There's four key points you want to keep in mind when you're creating these images. And quickly, those are create highly detailed visualizations, two, opt for the out there, three, leverage your existing knowledge, and four, connect it back to previous material. So let's quickly cover each one of those. First, you want to create highly detailed visualizations. Picture as much detail as possible. By creating a high level of detail, you ensure that you're creating a very robust visualization to stick into your long-term memory. Fuzzy, non-specific images are much easier to forget. And that brings us to our second point, which is to opt for the out there. Wherever possible, your visualization should include absurd, bizarre, violent, or even sexual imagery. Though it may make you blush, the truth is, is our brains crave the novel. Our hippocampi are very attuned to picking up and remembering things that seem strange to us. And this is the so-called bizarreness effect. And it's the reason why you'll want to keep these visualizations to yourself. So when it comes to mnemonics, the stranger, the better. The next important principle to creating vivid images or visualizations is developing these vivid Im images, making use of images, ideas, or memories that you already have. 
Research has shown that our brains pay special attention to information that's related to stuff we already know and care about. By creating connections between new information and your own knowledge, you leverage existing neural networks of people, places, and things. And this creates stronger, more densely linked synaptic connections and tricks your hippocampi into thinking something's more important than it is. And finally, the last important principle is connecting back this visualization to what you're learning. You need to make sure that these vivid images create logical connections to what you're trying to remember. Obviously, a visual image is no good if you can't remember what it stands for. For this reason, it's important to choose vivid images that will clearly symbolize the information you're trying to remember. Now, a mnemonic trick that combines both visual and auditory aspects is called a metaphor. And a metaphor is when you take a phenomenon you already know and use it to explain or understand a new concept. For example, programmers often speak of stacks, cues, or trees. And in biology, mitochondria are often thought like batteries. To think of a metaphor, simply ask yourself, what does this remind me of or resemble? Part of the value of a good metaphor is that it helps you to not only understand what a concept is, but it also helps you understand what a concept is not. Because you spend time debugging possible metaphors, thinking about different concepts that can allow you to understand them even better. Now the final mnemonic technique that I'm going to share with you is the memory palace or the method of Loki. And this is the very first thing that you learned in the first lesson of this course. This is the most powerful of all the other mnemonic tools that we have presented here, which can allow people to memorize entire deck of cards in less than 19 seconds, such as the medical student Alex Mullen from Mississippi, who set a world record in the process of doing so. The memory palace, also called the method of Loki, is a technique in which you create an image for every concept you want to remember and then anchor these images to a familiar physical location, often inside a building that you're familiar with, hence the name Memory Palace. Unlike other techniques that we've talked about before, the Memory Palace allows you to not only memorize large amounts of information, but to do so in perfect order. Of course, this technique is not appropriate for everything that you're learning. It's best to use this technique when there is no other technique that can come close to what you need to learn when learning large amounts of information. But it can be a highly effective way to learn large amounts of information, such as a speech that you need to recite or memorizing an entire book. Now, the reason that memory palaces work so well is for four reasons. First, the memory palace encourages us to create novel, bizarre visualizations. This tricks the hippocampi into remembering otherwise unimportant or unrelated information. Second, the memory palace helps us to chunk information into manageable units. And if we go back to the technique in chunking, we understand that this allows us to store information more easily in our mind and also to allow to work with it in our working memory when we're remembering it later. Third, as we create memory palaces, we associate new information with existing deeply held memories, the layout of locations that we already know. This creates strong connections between existing memories and new ones, dramatically increasing their memorability. Fourth, the memory palace keeps us honest. While you may occasionally forget to create novel visual images when you're learning something, with a memory palace, there's no other way to do it. To create your palace, you must imagine each visualization in enough detail to see it in the right spot. Finally, the memory palace leverages yet another one of our brain's deeply embedded evolutionary skills, which is spatial memory. Your brain is hardwired to automatically remember the layout of surroundings you encounter. And that's because our Paleolithic ancestors had to survive and navigate their environments when out in the wild. While you might struggle to remember names, numbers, or other important information every day, your brain is constantly creating strong, lasting memories of everywhere you've ever been. 
And luckily for you, you can use each one of these locations as a memory palace. So let's walk through the steps of creating a memory palace, and then I'll give you an example of what this is. To build a memory palace, you first need a few things. Most important, of course, is a suitable location. In reality, any location will do. Past homes, office buildings, even stores you've occasionally strolled through. But I encourage you to carefully think ahead and determine what information you need to know, in what order, and how you need to access that information you're memorizing. This will better help you to choose the location for which you'll create a memory palace in. As you create your memory palace, ask yourself what well, you need to access this information in a specific order. This is particularly important for things like a speech or a sequence of random digits, or even the chronological order of the U.S. presidents. If so, take a moment to create a linear journey along the perimeter of each room of the memory palace. This can be done clockwise or counterclockwise, as long as your path is, never crosses itself. This avoids confusion or getting lost when the pressure is on. As you lay out the foundation of your memory palace, keep in mind there's no wrong way to create this arbitrary logic or path within this place, as long as it makes sense to you. Once you have this logic and layout within your memory palace, the rest is very easy. Start creating novel, illustrative visual markers for everything you want to remember. Then place those unique markers into designated locations. For example, do you need to memorize George Washington, John Adams, and Thomas Jefferson in order? You can visualize a washing machine, Adam and Eve, and the characters from the Jeffersons. Remember, there's no such thing as too weird or stupid visualization. The best visualization is the one that's going to work for you. Then when you're choosing locations for these markers, it's best if you anchor your visualizations to specific areas. This could mean the corners of a room, specific pieces of furniture, drawers, or even windows. If needed, you can create very dense memory palaces by using every anchor available. But if you do this, avoid placing multiple visualizations in the same exact location within that memory palace. It's far better to expand your memory palaces outwards than to overstuff them. All right, let's give an example. Let's say you want to memorize the first five elements of the periodic table. With the memory palace technique, the first step would be to come up with an image for each of the five elements. And here's one way to do it. Hydrogen, which could be a fire hydrant. Helium, which could be a helium balloon. Lithium, which could be a lithium battery floating around somewhere. Berylium, which could be a strawberry or any other kind of berry that you enjoy. And boron, which could be a boar. As you can see, from some elements, we have chosen images that are typically associated with that element, such as a battery for lithium. For others, we have chosen images where the sound of the word leaves a helpful cue, such as a strawberry for berry lilium. The second step is to place those images in a familiar location, such as your office or home, your friend's apartment, the street you live on, or a familiar park. We'll create a walk through your home for this example. So start outside the entrance door to your home, where you've placed a fire hydrant, representing hydrogen. It's leaking water making a huge mess. Next, you walk into the kitchen where you will find a helium balloon, representing helium, hanging below the ceiling. Afterwards, you walk into the living room where a battery, lithium, is lying on the living room table. From there, you walk into the bathroom that is covered with strawberries, representing berry lilium, squeezing the berries to jam as you walk around. Finally, you walk into your bedroom where a boar, representing boron, is running wild, creating a mess. Once you come up with a memory palace, you still need to practice it a few times by going through your palace and visualizing the items. It can be a bit difficult to come up with good images when you first try this technique, but with everything else, you'll get better with practice. So to practice this technique today, go back over all the other techniques that we have and create a memory palace or use some other mnemonic to help you create a visualization of each technique. 
so that you can better remember these when you need to apply them later. Thank you for taking the How to Learn Anything course. To get everything you need to become a pro learner, including advanced resources, personal coaching, and a community of passionate learners just like you, then visit plato.university slash courses slash learning and join us for free. Again, that's plato.university slash courses slash learning. This course was produced by Plato University, where students turn passions into purpose and learn skills to change the world. Learn more at plato.university.